All right, well, uh, I'll look at the camera then. Um, I am Johnny Tischler. Uh, I'm running for uh, Mayor of St. Catharines this year in uh, 2018. I'm also a local uh, business owner, small business owner for the last 17 years. Um, and uh, I'm just here tonight to uh, answer some questions and let some people know a little bit more about me. So the, the business, 17 years, and that's tattoo work, right? Yeah, I own Sonic Tattoo here in St. Catharines. It's uh, the second longest surviving tattoo studio in the Niagara region. Uh, 17 years is, uh, is, a, is a pretty long stretch for a tattoo studio. They're, uh, they're a little bit transient sometimes, you know, the pop up fast and, and go out of business fast. So anyone who's been around, I'd say uh, 10 or more years uh, is doing something right or at least at least knows. It seems like a lot of the downtown core of St. Catharines is very much just things come around for half a year and they're gone mm -hmm. kind of thing. It's very transient. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that has a lot to do with uh, the fact that our downtown core has been being trying to revitalize for several years uh, with with some success, but not nearly as much as I think uh, even the city would like. Uh, so buildings are old, uh, rent is cheap. That's why I think you find a lot of reasons why people flock down there. Even myself, I had two tattoo studios at one time and the second one was located on St. Paul Street. Why? Because the rent was affordable. I got a lot of space for a little amount of money. Uh, and uh, I think that's, uh, I think that's uh, uh, attractive to a new business startup. Uh, it, it's actually financially feasible, but uh, but then sometimes other issues uh, arise, you know, like uh, the issues that we're dealing with now with the, the amount of homelessness and uh, addicted uh, homelessness, uh, the people downtown. So now that's actually starting to, you know, make people steer away from downtown. So it's going to make it much harder for uh, a business downtown to survive. For how long have you seen that being like a primary concern of the downtown? Um, it, it well. Four years ago, when we elected our current mayor, uh, it, it was it was a bit of an issue. Like, let's just say that uh, maybe St. Catharines will, and these are just made up numbers approximate, like say we had 20 homeless people. That has more than quadrupled. Like, I mean, there's hundreds of people mm -hmm. uh, living on the streets of St. Catharines now. And, um, you know, that, that's, I'm not saying that that's uh, our current mayor's fault in anything. You know, I'm sure there's lots of reasons that have led to it. Uh, I think at one time Hamilton closed down a lot of their methadone clinics, which meant that a lot of addicted people from Hamilton had no more, uh, you know, source for their methadone. So some of them flocked to St. Catharines, where some of our our clinics were still open so it enabled them to get what they needed but uh, they're not going to obviously travel back and forth so they took up residence and you know that's just one that's one uh, you know example of how it, it's risen but uh, there, there's many more uh, and I think most people are aware of it I have dealt with a few here and there um, and they are kind of prevalent. There's there have been plenty of times where I've done my banking at night, and there's people sleeping in the banks. Yeah, that definitely became a bit of an issue with the CIBC bank, especially for a little while, mm -hmm. which changed made them change the policy on when the doors would be open and things like that. So you can definitely feel that businesses are are not taking notice of it as well, and things are changing. And even in the short six year span that I've been living in the area, I've definitely seen that kind of difference. But uh, I don't know. I don't know, is there anything that you think if you were to be elected mayor, you could do about that situation? Like, what would be the plan of attack, really? 
Well, it's it's a big issue right now. So, I mean, that's a very uh, detailed question. Uh, I'll, I can just uh, tell you a few things which I think could uh, improve the situation, like right off the top of my head. Um, first of all, uh, we, we need a facility to uh, have like maybe a, a drop-in uh, center. Uh, so if a person wanted to just uh, not sleep on the street, especially in, a, in extreme weathers, whether that be uh, rain, cold, snow, uh, that they could come off of the street. And even if it's just to sleep on a cot, like in, a, in an open concept room, like a hall or a gymnasium, uh, and at the same time, possibly get some food. I just don't think that there's really anything that accommodates the numbers that no. we have right now. And there was a lot of talk when the St. Catharines General closed and the Hotel hotel Du closed to build the bigger hospital, you know, that, that was going to be turned into affordable housing because affordable housing is a major issue in St. Catharines right now. So nothing was ever really done. Uh, it still sits there in a rotting, decrepit state. And um, that is where all the homeless people have begun to congregate. Uh, even though it's not something you might see from the daytime, uh, at night, uh, lots of them are, are living there, you know, to stay out of the elements and to be sheltered. Um, so if that space is available and, and, and the homeless have already taken it upon themselves to use it, um, you know, maybe we could take a portion of it. Obviously, the, the, the St. Catharines General is a huge building, okay? Uh, so there's no way that anyone could expect the city to do a complete uh, redo of it and, and start all. But there are sections, okay? The, the original front face is the original hospital. And we had a, built on so much more modern uh, portions of the building. Those ones are still relatively new. I think just take a section of that, open it up. Uh, put some tax dollars into that, which I think uh, it would be very worthwhile, and uh, maybe work with some of the other uh, city associations that work with the homeless or the, the shelters or missions and come together and try to have a, a, like a plan of attack to assist the homeless because it is not their fault, okay? And that's one thing that you always hear about citizens getting angry and it's something that's completely different and we're not accustomed to. Uh, I, I totally get that. But, uh, you know, we shouldn't be taking out our anger at, at them, you know. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. That's yeah. Um, that, I kind of like that answer because it's fairly specific. And I, nobody really can answer the general question of oh, what do we do about homelessness because there's, there's, it's a very complex issue. But that at least gets some of the specifics out of something that might mitigate the effects of homelessness yeah i when it comes to the general homeless population i've always like when i when i walk past somebody who's asking for change or something like that i always think about how far uh some people have fallen to the point where you know, you end up homeless. I, I think it's unimaginable in the sense that I have had some rough financial months, but I've never been I've never been close to not having a roof over my head. And to think to get to that point, I think um, no, I'm just rambling. But having the the structures in place for the homeless is important as well. But I also. I think having some sort of rehabilitation. I know Hamilton did experiment with a with a uh, universal minimum wage that or universal income, which was 
cut, but I think they do also need to have the support for, I don't know how many, how many of the homeless population or how much of the homeless population could work, but I do think that there needs to be also support to, to strive to be one day not homeless or one day not feeding off of the the assistant program. I know that that's a very basic thing to say, and that mm-hmm. took 45 seconds to get out. But <laughs> and, and I'm sure that there are many people that would want the opportunity to not rely yeah. on those things. And there always will be a small population. Well, I don't know necessarily small relative to the amount of homeless people there are, but there is certainly mental illness playing a factor in some people that just really can't cope with the way that society is in general and just don't really fit in with the way that we do things. So I don't know if you'd ever eliminate all of them, but, but at least the people that do want to to change their situation it'd be nice for them to have the opportunity to do so i would say yeah uh do i lost my train of thought totally i was listening i'm sorry well and i guess part of that too is having employment opportunities for people seeking them what is your general do you think we that we need more jobs in the region or do you think that we're doing okay relative to other cities no, I definitely think that unemployment is an issue uh, in, in not only St. Catharines, but uh, the Niagara region. Um, there's always been this talk about the GO train coming to St. Catharines or coming back to St. Catharines. Like we used to have a via rail station and then that, that disappeared. Um, and that uh, this will bring the jobs back because, uh, you know, people will uh, be commuting from other parts of, uh, you know, the GTA or like or Toronto. And maybe uh, we could get uh, some sort of industry back here, and then we could not only uh, use our citizens uh, to uh, uh, work in that industry, but then we could uh, do more business and and have more people come from outside of it. But in all honesty, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think St. Catharines, it's a bit of a pipe dream to ever think that we're ever going to get back any large industry like we once did with GM. Okay, it's it's just not happening. Everyone knows manufacturing is not being, uh, it's all gone south. Okay, very few manufacturing facilities exist anymore. I really believe that the city of St. Catharines, if they want to employ the city of St. Catharines and get the unemployment rate down and employ more people, it's to start supporting small to medium-sized business. Right, here's something that a lot of people don't realize is that that St. Catharines alone has 3,700 small to medium-sized businesses. Okay, that is a lot. That's just one city. We're not talking about the entire region, okay? So with every small to medium-sized business, if you were to employ an average of, say, three to seven employees, three to five employees, that's going to give you approximately 20,000-plus jobs, okay? That, that's quite a bit of, uh, of uh, positions, you know, for one city. But if you ever take a look at our uh, employment statistics and everything, like on a site like Wikipedia or something, you're going to see it listing all the top employers. And those top employers are going to be uh, the hospital, the school board, Brock University, uh you know, Cytel uh, might be on there. Cytel is yeah. number five, actually. Yeah, so the, the thing is, is and Algoma. OK, so there's our top five. You total all those numbers that are listed on that site. They don't even come to 12,000. So basically, by stimulating and supporting small to medium sized business more, we could bring that up right now. It, it, instead of saying that Brock University or the hospital is the number one, it really the heading should say small to medium business just a very not any one person's business 
20 plus thousand and all the others should come underneath that. And that's where I feel that being a small business owner and trying to have expanded over the years and had great difficulty with City Hall and doing so because I don't feel the support is there by our city. But our city keeps hanging on to the belief that we're going to get these big, massive amounts of job from someone coming to our city and doing that again. I just honestly, I don't believe it's going to happen. Even short term, I remember uh, would have been 2013. Nikita, the TV show, came to shoot behind where the Meridian Center is now. And all the press behind the fact that they were shooting in what was essentially a construction site that looks slummy. People were like, oh, it's so good. And the only reason why they picked it is because it reminded them of the slums of India. So that's not necessarily a glowing recommendation no. for our, our film uh, environment. So that, as expected, didn't go anywhere. But they they do seem to hold on to that idea. And they do... St. Catharines, like you said, I've always noticed that they do have a lot of small kind of very interesting businesses there's a lot of independent businesses uh even on the main drag and some of them do disappear quite a bit unfortunately there's there's a few restaurants that are gone within a year or less time Mm -hmm. really quickly but um the restaurants and bars seem to change up the quickest i would say but there's a lot of i would say artists in the in the region that are trying to make business and i know i guess tattoo is a type of art it absolutely. I don't, is, I don't yeah. really know that much about you know, what tattoo artists go through, but mm-hmm. but I mean, we as photographers and videographers definitely see the the small business side of that. Small business owner, small business owner. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what expansion problems did you have? Like, what was the? You said you had a second location on St. Paul, so yeah, I decided look. to close that prior to uh, the problems that I was mentioning. So, um, I, I, I like most people. You uh, when you start a business, you you lease a, a space, and you typically start out with a five year term. Uh, it gives you a better uh, rate over five years. So I stayed in the same site for fifteen years, and that was Twenty Hartsel Road. And I saw a building come uh, up uh, for sale on, at uh, 108 Hartzell Road. It was an old RBC bank right next to the 7-Eleven. Great location. Had its own parking lot, you know, right at an intersection of St. Catharines, Volkswagen, Audis, uh, 24-hour store next to you. What an awesome location for mm-hmm. prime visibility and add a set of lights. So whenever someone stopped, they would see you. It would be unavoidable that uh, that you would be seen. And plus, with 15 years already being in the region, everyone would know we were there. And that's I bought that building, you know, and I paid a good dollar for it. And I started uh, the process of getting it ready and uh, going down to City Hall and doing everything that I needed to do. And uh, I'd go to the planning and zoning the, the department or the uh, building department of St. Catharines. And then all of a sudden I was, you need this. Okay, all right, that's fine. I understand that. Okay, you need this. Well, with everything I needed, came with a fee, came with an expense. Yep. I mean, I had a $90,000 budget to, to move my business there, which was more than enough. And that was some building as well. And that budget just slowly get, keep getting exhausted and exhausted because I kept being asked to repeat things that had already been done and proved on the building. So they weren't really required. 
I mean, I was I needed new uh, new phase one environmental, a new phase two environmental, and these are expensive things. They're anywhere from three to five thousand dollars per environmental. So there's ha there's ten grand right there almost just on on doing something that was already and I had them proven that the site was clean. I just think that the city really saw the opportunity to make a lot of city money, mm -hmm. which uh, the city does need to make money. I mean, that's how we pay our, our city employees and, you know, and we do need to make money. But I just really felt that was centered out. And and here's something that I truly don't admit to too many people considering of uh, that I'm a candidate in the uh, mayoral race this year is I actually voted for Walter Sesnick. You know, I watched those debates in 2014 and um, I chose him because he really sold it to me as a candidate that he cared about small business. And he said he was a small business owner himself in which he sold his business. And he was the CEO of the uh, Greater Niagara Chamber of Commerce. There's someone who deals with small business. So uh, he sold it to me. And so the minute I started to encounter these problems, he also mentioned that he would have like an open door policy. So I contacted City Hall where his number and his uh, email was listed on their page, tried contacting him several times with no response. Then I started to get a little disappointed. So I couldn't move on. Uh, my budget was being exhausted. I was getting no answer. I had to rent the building out. So it was obvious the building was not going to be used for my purposes anymore. But now I'm carrying a massive debt on a building that I purchased so that I could expand with no help from City Hall or further from our current mayor. It just became a rental up until literally two months ago I sold it. It was five years of nothing but headaches and nothing but uh, disappointment. And I managed to find a new location on Ontario Street from uh, Jack Johnson Holdings, uh, who is uh, Jay Johnson, uh, runs it now. Uh, and Jay is uh, born and raised here in St. Catharines, St. Catharines guy. So I'm telling you, what a great feeling to finally uh, rent a, uh, a unit off of someone who's here in the city dealing with what we deal with. You know, uh, typically most plazas are owned by uh, out of uh, city uh, yeah. corporations or something, possibly Toronto, anywhere. So it was really great. And plus, you know, Jay has history here. He uh, used to uh, uh, run and manage uh, the lakeside way back in the day, you know, back in Port Luzi when, when Port Luzi was really booming. And, uh, you know, when, when I make that statement, you know, it's really, uh, I have such vivid memories of how great Port Luzi was and everything. And, and mentioning that the lakeside, where it was and it existed, it's a hole in the ground right now. If anybody's gotten out there. Ugly, yeah. <laughs> Especially after the water came really high last year. That's right. So, I mean, it's, it's a little, it's a little disappointing to see it because, uh, you know, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people in Port Luzi would agree, um, so uh, I hope I answered your, your question. I got a little off topic we, there, you know. We know a small business I was, owner. I was just thinking about that. He's a, going through the same yeah. stuff. He has an open business, but only half of his concept has been fully approved for the city. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, he's been very public about it, but he has a... Uh, he has a board game cafe that was supposed to be also an escape room. The board mm -hmm. game cafe was, you know, accepted, no problem, and there was no issues there. But the escape room, it's been, what, two years, and they're still giving him crap for everything. It, really. it still looks like it's under, it needs heavy renovation. Yeah, like he's continue. nowhere near. 
So the main money maker was supposed to be the escape room. So now he's only halfway, halfway done his his plan, and he's not even relying on the the main money maker. Which, I mean, he's making money off of his non-main money maker. So I guess there's something to be said there. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious if it's what it really is stopping. If it's just targeting like small businesses, or if it's a bigger issue of how we do zoning and stuff like that in the region, because. I um, build houses for job and framer. Yeah. And I know that even some of the big builders who have been doing this for decades and have, you know, so many subdivisions up still get thrown like something they weren't expecting last minute and all of a sudden now they can't pour a bunch of foundations, they can't build the houses the way the way that they wanted to. Do you think it's a I don't I definitely don't exclusively think that the problems that exist at City Hall and St. Catharines when it comes to uh, planning and, and zoning and developing and everything are exclusive to only small business. I definitely would, would, wouldn't say that and, and agree with that. Um, it, it probably happens at all levels. Mm-hmm. It's just that sometimes it's a little discouraging or, uh, you know, it's uh, when, when all of a sudden, you know, you're a smaller person and, you know, you're, you're limited by your funds and, and your ability to do things and you try to do these things and, and, and it means total like it look I my my dream was not uh, realized because of my situation but that's not going to stop me you know I moved on and uh, but the thing is is um, if affordable housing and housing is an issue in St. Catharines it'd be hard it's really hard to understand why city hall then may in like the situation that you mentioned mm-hmm. why they would give difficult a difficult time to builders who are potentially wanting to uh, erect more housing you know or whether that like even if it's affordable or not more housing is is a good thing you know i mean we are running at this is a fact too and a lot of people that in this area know this we are running out of space in st Catharines. like we don't have much buildable space anymore mm-hmm. pretty soon st Catharines will literally only be able to go up you know like uh so that that is an issue too but with old sites that are uh, that are sitting empty right now like we mentioned earlier the hotel do and f- four years ago it was planned that that was going to be a massive housing project well four years later it just sits there still a pile of dirt even if they opted to tear down the saint Catharines general that space alone okay let's decide let's not uh like uh convert it let's not re-renovate it either way it's space that is sitting there unused huge value and is that's right and is and it's costing all of us taking a little bit of a different turn what is the main thing that you think you have that the other candidates don't what's What's your selling factor? Well, I, 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 I think in the past, every time someone ever tries to run a campaign and they're just saying, like, I'm an average citizen or something, I, I found that, that, that people, they don't warm up to that for some reason. When, and I'm literally trying to tell people that I have been dealing with exactly what you're dealing with. So if you're having the problems that I'm having, uh, I just wish you would see that I'm sympathetic to that, uh, you know, and that uh, that if elected, 
that uh, obviously uh, I wouldn't allow things like that to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to consider like, well, uh, like, you know, it might be a very broad spectrum, but let's just say everyone knows what the 1% is. The 1% of any city or any society is typically known as the rich, you know, the, the people that have money uh, and means. And the 99% of us, and, and I don't even think we live in a society anymore that has classes. I mean, when I was growing up, it was like lower class, upper lower class, middle class, upper middle class. It was all these different classes. I don't think there is classes anymore. I think really, basically, it's probably rich and poor, if it's anything, or rich and the average person. So I feel that I would best represent them because I've always been them, you know, and uh, I would honor an open door policy. I, I just, I just can't see how anyone. Now I understand that the the position of mayor is a busy position, and I, I definitely don't think that the mayor can absolutely specifically handle absolutely every single thing that comes his way. But there's no reason why any citizen should ever be outright ignored or get zero response because. The mayor is a busy person himself, and the position is not an easy one, and I will say that. So I don't think that, uh, you know, it's something that uh, should be taken lightly. But the mayor has multiple assistants to help him do his job. Not only does he have a, a, a secretary directly for his scheduling, but then he has other assistants that are to help him in this. And... Uh, if he couldn't take those calls and those messages and he can't deal, then then somebody should, you know, nobody should fall through the cracks. That's basically what I'm trying to say. Whether it be a small businessman, average citizen, housewife, single mom. Do you think social media could play a role in that? Because it gives sort of a, a different voice. I mean, if, if the mayor was active on a Facebook page or, or tweeting things out, and sort of addressing people in a more personal manner. Do you think that would be something you would take an interest in? Um, well, our mayor is incredibly active in social media, uh, probably more so than any prior mayor. Uh, probably the first of, of, of all the mayors leading up to him. Uh, so much, though, that I think um, a lot of people are uh, have lost sight of okay uh, they, with social media and with YouTube and with Facebook and with tweeting um, you know uh, when there's an event and someone needs to st- uh, to go out to that event we see our mayor we see him uh, talking with people we see him out at uh, charitable events and stuff and he he's smiling and he's he's doing his job um, that really shows people you know that it makes us think that wow we've we've really got a good mayor you know he's a mayor of the people he's he's a really really good guy um, and I'm not saying uh, Walter Sesnick is not a good guy but uh, that's what builds name recognition and uh, makes a person be liked but I, I think it uh, being a mayor is a little bit more than just being a well I like him he's a good guy hey Walter is my friend you know how many times I've heard people say that I definitely want to be a friendly mayor, but I don't think that a mayor should be going around trying to collect friends, you know. I think really, you know, every citizen should be his responsibility and he should look at every single person in his city uh, city as equals and uh, not just kind of, uh, well, I won't say play favorites, but uh, you can definitely see that through social media, you know, he he's, he's built a, a bit of a following, you know. I, I don't view being the mayor of St. Catharines or that position as being a celebrity. No, it's a position. It's a job. 
you know, and if you're elected, you're paid to do that job. Okay. And that job should be, you know, um, taken serious, but I mean, don't, don't, it's, it's not about the, the money. It's not about the, uh, prestige, the power or uh, anything else that comes with it. Mm -hmm. It's about the citizens and the city. I think it's human nature almost to want to pick people that they can sort of view as friends. It, it just is, is a strange thing that a lot of the, the people that end up as the, the head of a political party or just anybody that's in prominent power seem to be, at least to the majority that voted for them, a likable character, like a household name. It's almost inevitable, it seems. I don't, I don't know. And I don't necessarily see it as an entirely bad thing in every case, but... No, no, and, and I, I hope I didn't uh, like maybe explain that wrong. I'm definitely uh, not trying to uh, knock him in that sense. I just no. think that sometimes uh, a position like this uh, it, it can go in different directions sometimes, and uh, and uh, just don't lose sight of uh, of what the uh, ultimate uh, uh, role of the job is, mm -hmm. you know, and. and as I said, it's to ensure that the city, the city grows and, and, and survives and gets strengthened and that, and that the citizens, uh, after all, our tax dollars uh, all go to City Hall that cover all the wages of all city employees, including uh, the mayors. Um, so basically, uh, you know, um, they work for us. So uh, they should be they should be doing the things that we need them to do, not doing the things maybe more that they want to do or they like to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if that uh, that says I think that resonates. Yeah, resonate with people. It seems as though the mayor is utilizing Facebook like the, you know, the way that people say social media is negative in the sense that. When he posts, like you said, he's at community events and whatnot, as most people would, but you, uh, social media profiles are always kind of buffed up to be a better life than it actually is. The job of the mayor, if you look on Facebook, all it is is social engagements. You don't see the the That's paperwork right. and the, the, the actual other hard work that goes along with it. So it is a heavily curated image, but it is an image that is a little bit unbalanced, I would say. That being said, it is probably a little bit more visually stimulating to have a mayor smiling at the at the Greek festival versus having a mayor sitting in his office doing paperwork. So I can Absolutely. see why certain times a a picture at a festival is more more inviting. You said, and then I can't come up with the exact quote, but I believe you said something along the lines of you desire to be mayor because being like on a, some kind of board or being like a, in a council of some kind isn't the right way to affect change. Could you maybe go into detail about that? Um, do you mean like uh, uh, like the mayor's uh, role uh, with the rest of city council? Like What the, can the mayor do that somebody on one of these boards couldn't? Well, this is the thing that I think a lot of citizens are unaware of. I mean, when you when you hear the term mayor, I think a lot of people do ultimately think that the mayor has like uh, quite a bit of individual power in which he really doesn't. Uh, in some senses, a mayor is just a figurehead. Um, but uh, the key to being an effective mayor is, is working with council. Now, we have six wards, 12 councillors. 
uh, those 13 people, the counselors and the mayor, need to come together, need to do what's best, uh, okay? And the reason why we have two counselors per ward is so that, you know, that the wards are fairly large. So, I mean, we can we need more than one. If, if you're going to call your ward counselor, but you can't get through to one because maybe that ward counselor has 4,500, maybe, you know, up to 6,500 people under his or her ward, uh, that's that's a lot of phone calls to get back to if your phone is ringing a lot and war counselors are need to take those calls try to deal with the situation report back to the mayor report back to council but everyone needs to work together and I think sometimes what ends up happening is a mayor takes office okay and sometimes alliances are made with certain ward counselors maybe certain people get along better than others and that's just human nature but the thing is is a mayor cannot pass anything on his own he needs seven out of 13 votes if he has puts forward something he needs six of the 12 counselors to side with him so his vote uh will go through and the thing is is we, we need diversity in the ward and the council level. We need new ward councillors this year. I don't think we should really be electing too, re-electing too many of the other ones. I'm not saying all, I've met some great ones and I really think that some of them should stay in. But I think others, I think it's time that uh, maybe uh, you retire and you let some new blood in because if the council exists the way it does right now, and I have no idea how that is, um, I don't know who the mayor is friends with and who he's not with, but if the mayor did have, you know, enough of the council to swing every time he proposed something, all his votes would be passed. You know, so the thing is, is what every four years, if you uh, bring in new blood, you know, you basically re replenish the pool and now you're developing a new rapport with possibly the same mayor or new council people. It should always be replenished. When things stay the same, then um, change doesn't very, doesn't happen often, you know. Is there a term limit for war? There isn't. No, so and that's, that's the, the thing. issue. Some of the ward counselors have uh, actually been uh, in, in, held their position for as much as 12 years. Some of them eight years. Um, so the thing is, is you know it, it can it can definitely uh, uh you know that person if the person's doing a good job then that's fine but um i, I don't know uh, this year is almost unprecedented to previous elections you should see the number of people running maybe some wards are a little weaker than others but some wards have as much as uh seven or eight uh, people running uh to for two positions um the mayor's position is four this year and the previous one was five uh, at the regional level, like we need to reelect six regional councils and there's 23 people running. So this tells me is that not only at the St. Catharines level, but at the regional level, people are want change. People are stepping up. I mean, I'm a small business owner, but I know in other cities like Welland, there's a small business owner running there. There's a tattoo artist uh, running there, you know, like to, to be a ward counselor. And finally, uh, people have said, you know what, I'm not going to sit around and uh, just go along with what's happening. I'm going to throw my hat into the ring and I'm going to see if I can affect some change. And I, I support absolutely every single person running this year because, you know, congratulations. You finally stood up and said, you know what, this isn't working. We need some change. 
if you were to win as a small business owner, speaking about how busy the the job would be, how would that do you do you have direct plans for how it's going to affect your tattoo parlor? Do you have the management in place so you can? Yeah, I've actually already done that in in, in advance because. I mean, let's face facts. I'm a realist uh, in everything. Uh, unseating an incumbent uh, is one of the hardest things to do in all of politics. Okay, so there's a good chance that Walter Sesnick would be reelected. You know, um, but uh, that doesn't mean I'm not giving it my all within my means. Um, but uh, yeah, I have put those plans into place. Okay, and so to make sure that I have someone to manage. Now, I would always manage from afar. You can do that even if holding down a full-time job. I can check in at the end of every day. So if the mayor works nine, uh, Monday to Friday, nine to five, uh, plus I'm sure there's always gonna be some potential weekend uh, events that he has to make appearances at. Uh, just going by what uh, our current mayor is always being seen at and doing, and that's fine too. But uh, I think you know, there'll still be some time left over to, to, to oversee the management of it and everything. Um, it's a big, it would be a big step for me to walk away from, I've been in the direct manager, owner, operator, whatever, president, CEO, because my studio is incorporated. Most studios are just sole proprietorships. I incorporated years ago because of my desire to expand. Uh, and uh, right now, even, even so, Sonic has probably one of the uh, most diversified services. Typically a tattoo studio, uh, tattoos and pierces. We do that, but we've been doing tattoo removal, laser tattoo removal for 10 years. We have a barber component, like a barbershop component to our uh, studio. Uh, we did microblading uh, for a while. Uh, we even used to do laser therapy, like not uh, cosmetic, but therapeutic laser, light laser. We employed a, registra uh, a registered massage therapist for a while, always looking at expanding, okay? The one thing that I think, don't think people understand is tat a tattoo studio is part of the body modification industry. And if, if people look at that as the industry, not just, oh, a tattoo studio or this, Everything I mentioned is all part of the body modification industry. You go get your nails done, that's body modification. You get your hair cut, that's body modification. You know, uh, you go get, you know, a chiropractor who's a doctor, but you're still modifying your body, you know, any form of that. So that's what we are. And I, and I don't look at us as, you know, it might be called Sonic Tattoo because that was the name originally given, given us. But I really think we're not a tattoo studio. We're a body modification studio that tattoos pierces, barbers, laser removal, you know, that does all these services. And it unifies our industries. I, I like that. I, I really like meeting other people from other uh, professions or trades that all fall under body modification. It's neat. And you, as a, as a business owner for so long, I think in media at the very least, um, Tattoo parlors are portrayed in a negative light, but you seem to be going at it in every logical business sense, including the idea of bringing in new new ways to attract customers. So that's, I mean, you're going against media types, so that's good. Yeah. Um, do you find that you're, is it a mixed bag of everything or is your still main bread and butter tattoos? I knew you was a tattoo place. Um, no, actually, uh, for the probably Sonic has actually uh, out earned tattooing and piercing uh, for probably the last four years uh, with laser tattoo removal. 
Uh, it's a, I guess it's a, well, I don't want to say it's a sad thing to say, but probably a bit bittersweet. Yeah. Uh, we actually fade and remove more tattoos than we apply, but that doesn't mean we're still tattooing like crazy. But this, this is the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is, uh, when I mentioned that Sonic is the second longest surviving studio, been open 17 years. Okay. You need to pick those, those higher, uh, years of experience or, uh, uh, years of operation to research those studios. Now, there's several other studios and a, a huge underground home-based uh, side of the, our industry that has zero health board inspection and is still pumping out tons of tattoos. Yeah. And these are where lots of this fading and the removal are coming from. So people are bypassing, you know, uh, regional inspections from, you know, uh, the Niagara Regional uh, Board of Health. Uh, and they're just because they want to make fast, quick money. It's being done out of homes. Uh, so there, there's a big risk for people that uh, are just trying to save a little bit of money. Uh, well, when you go get a quote from a tattoo studio that's been around a long time and you're like, wow, that's expensive, you know, it's really not because if you're only being uh, quoted $20 more uh, by someone who's doing it out of a house, the knowing that that place, you know, that, that's being inspected is, you know, you can take a look at their inspection reports online. You can know full disclosure of their inspection reports, whether or not they've had infractions, whether or not they've breached any uh, protocols. It's worth the extra twenty dollars for the peace of mind, for the safety, for the experience of the artist. You're not going to get a bad tattoo, you know, because you chose a, a place that has been around a long time and has a reputation that's that's to be said for every industry the mm -hmm. photography Absolutely. industry is like that yeah. too yeah. um except that this is a little bit more like oh that it costs that much i'll just get my friend with their cell phone to do it for my wedding yeah. you can't uh yeah you're it's, absolutely it's right. hard to substitute when you do tattoo removal i'm assuming based on the way that you just explained it a good chunk of the people removing tattoos are ones that have had sort of botch jobs or so there's no in that sense i would assume there'd be no kind of hard feelings because you as a tattoo artist would obviously be emotionally connected to some tattoos have you ever had to remove your own work from somebody um we had uh yeah there there'll always be that case and and i don't have any problem with saying that at all but it's not because the person came back and said i want this off because i'm unhappy with it too many people rush the decision making process of a tattoo just because something looks cool and is trendy i mean do you really want to wear that or do you think you're going to enjoy that or like that for the rest of your life is it that personal to you that's really why people decide they want things like let's face facts here like a lot of people in our industry so the tattoo artists piercers or anyone who might be watching this yeah well, they'll know exactly what i'm talking about but in the 90s we must have pumped out more chinese symbols or kanji onto people than ever like the tons of symbolism from a different language and a different culture that uh, really we didn't know that much about but you know there's the symbol that's what it means it gets put on tons of symbols were put on that didn't even mean what they meant and then people found out later you know so the thing is is you know uh, trends come and go and sometimes those trends uh, they become so trendy and so many people utilize uh, you know getting those things that when they're gone now all of a sudden they're not trendy anymore but you're still wearing it 
can you live with it? Then live with it. If not, then you're going to want to cover it. And sometimes covering is not so easy when it's big, it's dark, it's bold. So laser fading is just enough to lighten the existing tattoo so that the new tattoo can go over it and be covered successfully. So that's big. Uh, I'd say more people are fading. Uh, they're, they're not anti-tattoo anymore. They just happen to get one that they weren't happy with. Yeah, I've sat and I've thought and I still can't come up with something that I'd want on for the rest of my life. Well, that's, you know what? I was uh, 19 when I got my first tattoo and we have people calling the studio wanting to get tattooed at the age of 13. Yeah. That, that is ridiculous. What are the rules there? See, that's the thing. There is no legal legislation for age uh, on when it comes to tattooing or piercing. So basically, um, with parental consent, you could pretty much do anything. And even without parental consent, because there's a certain aspect of the law that would prevent uh, or would allow someone to uh, basically consent for themselves. So if a person comes in and they're underage uh, and you explain the process to them, and you get from them that they totally comprehended, they're at an age li uh, limit, that they totally understood and comprehend what you explained to them, then by law they can sign the, uh, the paperwork for themselves and consent to it. You know, but if someone obviously, if you see that you're losing them in your explanation and it's like this person does not understand what you're saying, well then you definitely should not do it because they're not comprehending the uh, process, the outcome. You know. That's interesting. I knew that some tattoo places had just across the board, nobody under 16 kind of rules. Or I've, I've seen certain things like that, except with parental consent to it and in some cases. Cause I had some friends that tried to get tattoos young, but they yeah. were unsuccessful most of the time. Well, with, uh, with going back saying that there is no age legislation, okay, so the, the industry, so the tattoo industry um, basically set it upon themselves. 16 for a tattoo, 18, or sorry, uh, 16 for a piercing, 18 for a tattoo. So those were the, the minimum age limits that were set out by the industry so as not to uh, incur any parental uh, problems or, or, or a certain maturity level to acquire uh, what service you wanted. Now, most studios would go two years under each age limit with parental consent so if you wanted a piercing 14 to 16 would be fine with parental consent after 16 sign for yourself and the same thing for tattooing 16 but with the massive influx of tattoo studios you know when sonic opened we were one of five tattoo studios in the entire niagara region and if you count up all the uh open ones now that are health board inspected and probably the uh, remaining ones that are not that are known about we're probably looking at probably 40 tattoo studios and a studio can be as, as it can be as small as just a, a person doing it out of their house so a single person so there's lots of people giving out tattoos there right so that's why age limits are coming down there a lot of people are vying for this business you know they all want the business so certain studios and i'm not i don't know which ones but you know are willing to go substantially lower they're not breaking any law but it's affecting the industry and it's put it's making us look bad it's making us look as if maybe we're we're potentially just trying to uh, make money off of uh, something that uh, we know the youth like, maybe look up to, think is cool, 
or something. So recently, Sonic has actually just changed its age limit. So it's 18 right across the board. No parental consent. We only started that a while back because the phone keeps ringing and 13-year-olds want tattoos, 11-year-olds want piercings. We, you know, I'm 48 years old. I don't want to be in a booth piercing a 16-year-old girl anymore, like alone. Um, I just, I just don't feel comfortable with doing that anymore. And any, and and someone even younger than that. No, I think, I think this is an adult thing now. And at least at my studio, we're we're making it 18, no parental consent. Well, that's a that's a good change. I think one of my friends, his girlfriend, was calling around earlier in the year trying to find a tattoo artist that would tattoo. Uh, her much younger brother and mm-hmm. I don't know if they ever found one but it took her a long time to find somebody who would do it so the good news is is most people do stick to their guns instead of the uh, mm-hmm. the the quick dollar yeah. to make it um, when you're doing tattoo work it happens a lot in movies where people stumble in drunk and get stupid tattoos but do you ever get people who you kind of talk out of what they what they get tattooed or is whatever they say goes um no we'll always uh try to talk them out of uh artistic uh differences like uh if they want something but maybe it's not artistically correct we might point that out Um, but again uh, tattooing is self-expression so if you want to express yourself in a certain way that is you uh you know and you're an adult and obviously we're not going to stand in your way um but uh, a lot of people want uh very small tattoos seem to be very uh popular now uh again They've always been, but they keep seeming, uh, people want their tattoos smaller and smaller and smaller. And this is kind of known as micro tattooing, and it's just not possible to do. Like the machines, needles, and pigments, um, a tattooing has to be done at a minimum size, a minimum scale for longevity, uh, for it to last and for it to uh, you know hold up over the years. I mean, skin is the largest living organ on your body. It's living, it's breathing, it's moving, it's all the time. It's not a canvas in the sense that it's fixed, you know. So, you know, tattooing has to be performed a certain way to ensure that that tattoo will look good as you age, you know, and as you maybe damage your skin through sun. Um, We have a... We have a friend whose tattoo has faded to the point where it's, it was at one point brown, but it is now yellow. Yes. Yeah. Very strange. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little bit curious, actually, as far as the people that you would employ at your tattoo, um, like, I guess even in tattoos um, venues in general, what kind of qualifications do they seem to have? Like, I know they might have something relating to being a tattoo artist, but at the same time, they might not have any qualifications. Well, here's the thing again. Uh, our industry, is, in the eyes of the government of Canada, it's practically not even an industry, even though it is and we exist. Um, you know, they don't even classify a tattoo artist as really as a position. It's like a, a level three or uh, or a tier three uh, position. It's like it's not even really ranked, uh, it, it, you know, because... There is no formalized education or training for it. So it's not like you go to community college for two years to become a tattoo artist. You, if, you're, if you have artistic ability and, you, and you, know, you try to find a tattoo artist that would apprentice you. And your apprenticeship is your education. So whether that be one year, two years, 
Um, you are going to learn everything from ground up. And if you're apprenticed properly, uh, you know, you won't be using people as uh, test models or anything. You know, you'll, you'd, be, you'd be practicing on, uh, you know, a, a substance like maybe a pigskin, which you could pick up from a butcher shop or some people tattoo oranges or uh, grapefruits, you know, and that's, you know, you're never going to have a really good looking image, but it gets you comfortable with the motion and, and, and you're not going to have any permanent damage on a client, you know, so, uh, you know, that's that's the way it's done. And as, as you get better, then you can bring your friends in and start small, small tattoos get to be medium sized tattoos and so on and so forth. We just finished uh uh, an apprenticeship with someone uh, because uh, you know she came to us and she she was very adamant about uh, wanting to be a tattoo artist and she was persistent and we liked her and we took a shot with her and she's now tattooing independently with supervision still like but she can do small simple tattoos another year from now she'll be doing medium to large another year from now she'll she'll be really good like we're really impressed with uh, her and uh, Sometimes it's easier to create your own employees because then hire someone that maybe has worked at another studio because studios do have very different in-house policies and procedures and you almost, it's a, a safety benefit that everyone working in one studio be on the same page so that we all are doing exactly the same thing. Not someone's off there doing their thing and this thing and now none of us know you know, it, it could be potentially risky for uh, all that work at that studio. Yeah. I guess somewhat related to the last question, are these people coming straight out of high school necessarily, or do you think that they're maybe university or college educated in something entirely different that they like the art side of the tattoo stuff? Good question, because there was a time when everyone was in high school. Like, I mean, from the minute they turned 16, they wanted to be a piercer. They wanted to be a tattoo artist. And they bug studios like crazy. Oh, please, please, please. And, you know, how can you take on someone who's still in school, right? So, I mean, how are they going to go to high school and, and, and apprentice? So, basically, you know, they would patronize the studio and build a rapport with the owner or some of the tattoo artists. And then by the time they graduated, if they were still around and they were still patronizing the studio and they still had a rapport with the artist and they're like, all right, you know what? You've been a solid customer for like years. You didn't ever leave. You always showed us interest. So you, now that you're out of school, well, you know, high school, if you want to do an apprenticeship, we'll apprentice you. That seemed to be the way it was. Now it seems that people are going into college and uh, completing uh, art uh, diplomas or art courses and then maybe realizing that they love art, they're good at art, but now that they've got their diploma, how do you make a living yes. you know, with, with an art diploma? If yep. you're not rendering art as an artist with your diploma and selling that art, how do you make a living? So now they see the opportunity to, to join a fun and exciting industry and meet new people and, uh, and make good money rendering art. So those people can sometimes be very good because uh, they'll already have a lot of the art stuff down and they just need to learn how to use the, the instrumentation or the tools like the machines and how to render the art instead of uh, brush or pen it's now needle and ink 
or a needle and machine. Yeah. Does the technology seem to get updated very often as far oh. as tattooing, or has it just been the same for a long time? It has changed drastically over the years. Uh, tattooing doesn't even resemble what it did, uh, I'd say, as little as 10 years ago. Everything was uh, coil machines, and uh, when I say that, it would be like two coils that uh, would cause uh, what's known as an armature bar to, uh, in positive and negative, to vibrate, which drew the needle up and down which would ultimately uh, deposit uh, pigment into the epidermis, uh, breaking the epidermis into the dermis. But uh, now machines are a little bit different. Uh, they're rotary machines seem to be uh, a lot more popular. Uh, they don't uh, hit as hard as a conventional uh, coil machine. Uh, they have interchangeable tips, uh, so you don't need multiple machines. Like it used to be that one machine was a shader, so you only used it for shading. One machine was a liner, you only used it for lining. So you might have three machines out, sometimes even four machines in the old way. Now you can simply uh, modify by taking off a tip and replacing a tip on a rotary machine, changing its speed setting on your power supply. It's just, yeah, it, it's much more, uh, you know, the technology is, has changed so much. I mean, old school tattoo guys, probably would never get into modern tattooing now. It, it would probably just be something that would blow them away or they wouldn't, they wouldn't want to because it would be learning something new. But everybody coming up now, everybody is pretty much going with the new technology. Yeah. It's interesting. I never really thought about that question until yeah. now, but yeah. yeah. It seems like it's something that people have been doing for so long. It has such a, like a long history of people getting these tattoos. In not necessarily wrapping up, but if you, since you told us during the debates you only have 90 seconds, if you were given uh, as much time as you need to address the city of St. Catharines, the people of St. Catharines, uh, the people who you're trying to win over, do you have anything you want to say that doesn't have to be 90 seconds long? Um... You've said a lot. Yeah. Um, and we've got a good overall view of who you are. I think this is one thing I would like to say to uh, the, uh, the citizens of St. Catharines or anyone who would uh, be following my campaign is, is I've already mentioned in some Facebook po uh, uh, videos I've posted that don't look to me to be your standard candidate like that uh, big business or politician type because I'm not. I'm the person that, who is talking right now and if you want to come and meet me, I, I welcome that. I'm not going to make a bunch of grandiose uh, campaign promises, which seems to be the trend, right? And I just, I really don't want people to buy into those because I think if we look back even four years in our current city, we'll see that a lot of things were, didn't happen that were said would happen. So it's proof that typically in any kind of campaign, promises are made and, you know, rarely are they ever met, you know, or some are met, but not all. So don't buy into that, okay? I'm not going to make those promises. If I could make a, a couple promises, like, and under not even, they, they would be guarantees that I, I said I would do. Here's one thing that uh, I, I firmly believe. I firmly believe that when citizens go to City Hall and sometimes they have uh, problems with each uh, department, say that be the water department or planning or zoning, and, and then they get really mad and, and they start yelling at the, at the employees of, the, of City Hall because they're, they're having problems and stuff like that. 
Well, I mean, I, I'm sympathetic to that, uh, that they're angry and they, they want action or they want answers, but they're taking it out on, uh, you know, the, the, the employees of uh, the city of St. Catharines and it's really not their fault. They're doing their job. They know what they're like, what they have to do to do their job. I think that sometimes as a mayor, mayors are busy doing the mayoral thing. They're doing their job. And sometimes they lose sight of all the different departments that exist in the city. They might just get updates or something. One thing I would like to do, and I'd like to do it because I'd actually like to know firsthand, if elected, I would literally go to every department for a period of time, like maybe a week, and work side by side with those City of St. Catharines employees mm -hmm. to know what they have to deal with so that maybe I could get an idea. Like if a citizen came in and I was working in the clerk's department and they were very angry and they were yelling at the, the one of the women that worked in the clerk's office, I would want to walk up to them and I'd want to find out what, what we could do to help them and maybe... Maybe I would observe uh, something that I could give some input to so that, that those people in that department could better serve the, the citizens. You know, it's like that's, that's definitely one thing I, I want to do. And if elected, I will. Um, because it's a group effort, okay? City Hall, it's not just one person at top and, and everyone else. I mean, that has to be, uh, you know, that has to tumble down you know we all we all have to know what everyone's role is uh, so that we can help people do it the other thing would be is that this position is incredibly important to me and i always mentioned it that i don't want people to think that that this is just some sort of uh, it's definitely not a publicity stunt i honestly i don't need uh to be the mayor of st Catharines. my business like i said has been around 17 years and i'm fine with it i continue to do my job and and you know but i feel that uh, this this is something i want to do now and i want to help the city of st Catharines and its citizens and uh, this is probably the first job I think I've ever applied for that I don't even have uh, any idea of what I'd be paid. Seriously, there's no listing anywhere that says what I'm I was going to ask that. But yeah. There's nothing, there's no one listed. I honestly have no idea what, what the mayor of St. Catharines gets paid. Now, I've asked that question of a couple people, maybe that are close to City Hall, and they threw out some figures, which, you know, seemed a little bit extravagant because uh, honestly, I didn't, uh, you know, maybe maybe they're not correct or something, but I've heard like a ranging anywhere between like, say, 80 to maybe $120,000 a year or something like that. I mean, that kind of money is just like so beyond my uh, expectations or means, you know? So the one thing I would definitely say, and this is not knowing what I'd be paid, I seriously look at the issues affecting this city right now, and they are ones that are in serious need of money. Now, if we haven't done anything about them in the last four years, and we haven't had the tax dollars to put forward to that, then I would tell the, city, the citizens of St. Catharines this. If elected, I will literally donate back 50% of whatever the mayor's salary is to any issue cause that is affecting the city. So let's go back to homelessness. If we have all these homeless people and we can't, don't have the money for it, 
whatever it is. So let's just say, you know, we'll throw out a fictitious number there. Uh, Mayor gets paid $100,000 a year. I will literally give $50,000 of that back to a cause donated in my name, obviously, Johnny Tischler, not, not the mayor of St. Catharines. If I were to be paid it, it would come to me and I would put it aside and I'll do all that. I'll prove that. I'll show people what my paycheck is what my, I don't know, bi-weekly maybe salary is. And I will take that money aside and either accumulate it for the first year and donate it in one big chunk or just give it on a bi-weekly basis to where it's needed, you know. And I will do that for every four years of my term. And after that, if I've proven to the city of St. Catharines and its citizens that, that I've been a good mayor, well then I'll run again. And if I'm reelected, you know, maybe I'll donate some more too. Maybe, maybe not as much, but you know, I'm willing to do that for the people of this city. Uh, and that's, that's not a campaign promise. If I'm going to make that, I'm going to attest to that. I think that I can be held accountable legally for not following through. So I'm going to do it. Hmm. Yeah. When you say doing that, as you were, as you were speaking and kind of the, one of the overarching themes of this conversation, if, if, we stick with $100,000 a year and say that $50,000 gets donated. Do you think that maybe it would be better spent instead of donating it to a cause, starting your own cause? Because $50,000 a year, four years, that's $200,000. I don't know legally how American fundraise a charitable cause, but you could do like the Johnny Tischler uh Foundation. Like fighting homelessness cause and instead of donating it to any type of charity that may be making small incremental changes, but maybe with the with well, that power. Just before you end, not with the power. There's sort of with, two sides to that. I mean, you get more oversight if, if it was his own operation, but at the same time, it might seem a little strange. True. I mean, it's his money going towards his own thing at that point. It's not really independent. But I don't know. No, I, I like the idea of that, and that's something I did actually think about too. So you could, uh, you're right, you could call it, uh, it could be a trust, or uh, it, it could be a foundation. And, uh, you know, yeah, you could uh, uh, get a numbered company and basically make the numbered company that, uh, take all the money, uh, put it away, maybe uh, deposit it throughout the period of a year into a high interest account so that obviously it's going to do the best for you. Uh, you could decide to give it uh, weekly or, uh, you know, or you could decide to collect it all for one year and then it might, it might be serve uh, whichever uh, charity or cause you decided to donate it better in a much larger lump sum. Um, these are things that obviously that, uh, you know, uh, that I'd be willing to do. Maybe if elected, I, I would call upon like a few counselors to sit on this, like my fund or my charity or my... Uh, trust and uh, you know to to assist me in uh, in like you know they would have to donate their time because uh, you know we're we're not doing this to make money we're already being compensated by our positions through city yeah. the city of St Catharines but if they thought uh, that it was a good idea and agreed with it then I would more than happily uh, have a, a, some of the ward councillors sit on maybe a, a five person uh, board. Uh, me being the the head and then two others and we could vote on the use people people that uh, that are our charities or or, or uh, need this money can then uh, approach us 
and say, listen, you know what, uh, we think that's great. You know, uh, we could really use some of this funding. Um, and then uh, we could uh, discuss it as a, a little mini board and, and decide uh, where it would be best spent, you know. And uh, again, I, I have no, no issues with, uh, with doing that at all. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. And it's not, I, I would think the $120,000 a year isn't out of the realm of possibility from what I know, just based on what I know from like even my uh, small town mayor kind of a rough idea what he made mm -hmm. and it's a town that pales in comparison to St. Catherine so I think your your 50% contribution would be a would be a very very big deal I know you're not doing it for the publicity but it is definitely a publicly it, notable thing it to would do. definitely be a publicly notable thing to do that nobody a lot of people talk I mean Again, another theme of this conversation, and a lot, a lot of people do talk the talk, but when it comes down to it, not a lot of people walk and do what they said they were going to do. So, well, that's that's it. And the thing is, is uh, uh, I I'm not just I definitely am not going for this position for just the uh, you know the financial aspect or benefit to it at all because that's the, I just I'm and me doing this is one way that I can show people that that is is not the case. I mean, uh, my business will still run while I'm the mayor. Uh, I'll still earn money that way too. So, um, so yeah, it could potentially be, uh, you know, a, a $200,000 donation over a four year period. That's huge. And uh, it, it's not, it doesn't mean I'm gonna starve. I mean, I started uh, things off really young. Like most people weren't thinking like in their, uh, when they were just about to turn 20 or 21 about buying a house and, and stuff, you know, like, I, you know, like I said, I'm all, I'm 48, so you know I was raised by a single mother, so I know the value of uh, you know uh, who raised three kids on her own, me being one of them, and she taught us all to be hard workers and uh, how to stretch a dollar and how to get ahead. And uh, you know, like I I, I own a, a, some rental properties that I've uh, acquired over the years and my own house outright. So. Um, you know, I, I started at an early age to secure my future, you know, just based on hard work. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, that's what's uh, enabled me to uh, to survive, you know, like, like you, know, you mentioned, too, there was sometimes, uh, you know, you'll have a lean year or you'll get uh, things will look a little you'll get a little scared or something like that. And uh, everyone's had those years. And uh um, but uh, coming from my upbringing, uh, I think uh, is what's enabled me to uh, maneuver them and survive them. You know. And I guess the other thing, since now that we've been talking, I can't remember the specific dates, but voting for uh, for any type of elected official, there's always that that controversy that people don't show up. So, what are the dates that people need to know? Well, I can tell you these dates. Um, okay, so obviously October 22nd is election night. Yes. Okay, so obviously uh, every ward will have anywhere from three to four polling stations. Um, I've already uh, listed them on my uh, Facebook page, my candidate page, uh, Johnny Tischler for Mayor of St. Catharines. 
Um, so you can see them there, but this is the really uh, bonus thing that I like. So everyone always worries about, oh, I'll forget, or maybe I will, I'll be busy that night and I won't do it. So uh, I'm this basically, I'm saying all the people that are supporting me right now, and though I know you people, you told me you'd give me your vote. You said, you've got my vote, you've got my vote. So this is what I'm telling you. October 1st to October 19th, you can early vote at City Hall from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday to Friday. Nothing can stop you from voting for 19 days prior like to the 22nd. Okay, so you gotta go down to City Hall and do it, but all you gotta do is bring a single piece of ID that identifies you as, as who you are. Now there are other advanced polling things per ward too. I haven't listed them yet because I truly think that uh, most people would just take advantage of the 1st to the 19th yeah. at City Hall. I mean, over a 19-day period, I'm pretty sure you're going to be able to find 15 minutes of time to make it down to City Hall and pop out your wallet. There's my driver's license. I'd like to vote. And then boom, vote right there. So advanced polling is really important. Uh, starting uh, October 1st, I've already listed something about it, you know, that it's coming. But I will repost daily on a, for starting October 1st on my Facebook thing. And I will be like, okay, day one, let's go, let's go, let's go. And, uh, you know, and then continue to obviously do everything else up until the 22nd. But uh, just encourage people to get out there and, and do it early. Yeah. And I will be one of them. <laughs> I like the, the early aspect, so that way... If you do happen to get busy on the day, having the early voting is always nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my my it. where I'll be voting this year. My uh, the closest to me is the same place I've voted every year. It's uh, Burley Hill Elementary School. Okay. So uh, I'll I'll be going there. I'm actually going to save my vote. Uh, you know, for the people I want to vote for and for myself. Uh, for the actual night, I just I want to make an appearance at the at the you know not not there's no publicity or anything for it, but that's where I voted in every other year uh, that I've lived in the same neighborhood for uh, the entire in in the ward of Meriden for all 30 years that I've uh, lived in St. Catharines, you know. So that's where I'll be voting. And if you, what well, we do, wish you luck, obviously. Yes. Um, if for some reason it doesn't, uh, you don't end up winning, is this the end or will you try again? Like, do you have any thought process? Or are you going to remain outspoken? Um, yeah, I don't well, know if people think like that. I don't know if you think about the future, if you don't win. Well, here's something that I've noticed in the past. When other people uh, in the 2014 election ran and they didn't succeed, uh, boom, you'll, they just disappeared. So it makes me wonder that you thought that you could make a change, but just because you lost, you, you don't feel that you can still make a change? Absolutely you can. Why aren't you running again now, okay? Everyone told me I was shooting too high. They told me I should have went for uh, to be a ward counselor first or something. But I'm sorry, I really, you know, I, I've been uh, an owner, a president, a CEO of my own corporation. And uh, basically, you know, the city of St. Catharines is a corporation. I'm not saying I want to run it like that, but I'm just saying I feel that the position of mayor is not beneath me or is not attainable. So, yeah, and I and I always shoot for the highest thing I can go for. You know, I'm not afraid of that. Uh, so, yeah, I think... Uh, 
let's wait and see what the numbers come out. But let's just say we f fictitiously talked about him. Let's just say that uh, our current mayor won, okay, and I took second place. Like in 2014, Walter Sesnick won uh, by about 3% uh, against Jeff Birch, okay. Uh, Jeff Birch ended up running for uh, an MP spot, which he got. So congratulations, Jeff. You know, uh, I've already congratulated him and everything. But he saw, he took his uh, his uh, his desire and went elsewhere and still pursued it. Okay. So if I felt if I was like came in second place, uh, you know, and, and I lost, then I would return in 2022 and try one more time. You know, you know, and hope that uh, enough people would have remembered me over the four years. And then in the, in the four years to come, still remain active in St. Catharines, uh, possibly, you know, doing anything I could just to, uh, you know, still let people know that you know, that my city is important to me. You know? But yeah, I would I would run again one more time. You know? well, that's good. Yeah. See, we knew we'd fill it when you said, you know, you talk for an hour, really, and we're at an it's hour not, twenty. Not so, hard to do at all. Oh, geez, you know, we we cover everything, and I think we ended on a pretty good note too. Yeah, because yeah. that's exactly where I wanted to. Not the if you don't win stuff, but knowing that you'll always be around, I think is is a good thing. I yeah. think uh, there's a lot of people, the the voting for a person that is for the people seems to be an in thing nowadays but very rarely are the people that are running for the people actually for the people yeah so yeah that was very no long sentence, uh that, yeah and that's and i i really hope that uh you know when you guys put this together and i can direct people to it uh, you know um, I'll encourage them to uh, to watch the whole thing. Uh, you know, like uh, <laughs> don't give into your shortened attention span. But no, everywhere else. There, there was a lot of good good information. I always love the the business aspect. Yeah. So listening. No, puts and, a personal touch on it too. Yeah. And it was an excellent format, guys. I'm telling you, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't shy away from uh, things like this, uh, but they are somewhat new to me. You know, I'm not, uh, uh, I don't make speeches regularly. I don't uh, take interviews a lot. Uh, I don't have issues with them. And well, I, we're and honored. I, and I feel comfortable doing them. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not my wheelhouse, you know. Like, I, I'm a more of a one-on-one -on -one person throughout business. I deal directly with individual people, but... Uh, but I can go both ways, and, and I, I really appreciate you uh, doing this with me and uh, letting me uh, speak my mind and tell the citizens of St. Catharines a, a little more about what I'm about. Well, you're very welcome. And yeah, we're honored to have had you. Yeah, maybe maybe one day we'll get to interview the mayor of St. Catharines. Let's hope. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, have a good night, everybody. Signing Thanks. off.